We're continuing with the series we're in called Abide. We started it two weeks ago, and uh, this series is based out of John 15. We're going to begin just this next final part of our gathering, reading through it again. And uh, as we do that, just to remind you, we started off this series just just highlighting the invitation Jesus uh, gives to us to abide in him, to live in him. Um, and uh, and we, we talk, started talking in week one that unless you abide, you'll never thrive uh, and grow in fruitfulness. And then last week, we, and then w- actually when we kind of started that first week, we also hovered around this central idea of who is Jesus and how big Jesus is in our life. And, and as we live in him, we see him as the priority figure in our relationship uh, that way. And then last week, we... We looked at this, this phrase in, in John 15 that Jesus invites us that if we want to abide in him, to, to keep his commands, to listen to his words, to, to live them out, and that as we do that, we discover how deep uh, our relationship can grow. And, and as we, we walked through that, we discovered that Jesus creates this beautiful umbrella statement that, that his commands fit into one big command, which is to love each other. And as we express that and live that out. So last week, we talked about abiding leads to aligning, which leads to loving. And this week, we're going to ask this question, you know, if abiding leads to thriving, is what are some things that we, we need to pay attention to to live a fruitful life? We're going to end this series in a few weeks just, just highlighting, hopefully casting a wonderful vision for what a fruitful life looks like. But today... We're going to look at a delicate part of God's role in all of this. But before we do, let's just um, just pause and slowly read through John 15 again. Why we're doing this, why we read through the whole text. You might be like, Dave, you only talk about three verses. And then, and uh, well, I'll answer that, Nick. This is why. So we just, you know, reading scripture is also an act of worship. And, uh, and it's not, you know, my words or your words or somebody else's insight. But we, we really want the, the scriptures to speak into our heart. And so... When we come to passages like this, um, in, in some, of, some Sundays at least, we just want to let it, you know, just let it speak to us and, and we can slowly walk through it and, and let it just, um, what's the word? I guess I like the word brew. Let it brew in us, you know, because I'm a coffee person, but let, the, let it brew in us. John 15, let's read it together. I am the true vine and, the, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown out into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down his, one's life for his friends or one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. Father, as we just keep reading um, this text in, in these weeks here as we start this year, uh, we, just, we just invite you to, to allow these words, God, to just go so deep into our hearts and our minds and our lives. Uh, may, may we be reminded of them throughout the week. May we remember them as we pray. May they become prayers in our, in our prayers, in our time with you, God. Um, may you speak to us through them. And God, as we take this moment this morning to just continue this journey that we're in in this season, God, we ask you to speak uh, so deeply in our hearts. Thank you that we can come here and worship together and celebrate and connect with each other and encourage each other. Um, And now we invite you to speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Nine times in this 17 verses, Jesus uses the word fruit. Nine times he uses the word fruit. The same amount of times that he uses the word abide. It's a pretty important uh, word. Abide is very important. That's the call here. That's the whole foundation. But the f- word fruit is so important. I mean, Jesus is preoccupied with fruit as he shares this metaphor. It's his desire for those who follow him, for those who know him, that they would bear much fruit. And right at the beginning, he, he gives us a clue into what God's role is in this. And uh, when I say God, I don't mean to separate what Jesus does and God does and, and uh, see them as necessarily different. I mean, we worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But as Jesus invites us in, into thinking about this metaphor, he says that he's the true vine and that his Father is the gardener. Such an, a beautiful image of what God does and how he works in our lives. I don't know if you know people that love to garden or have green thumbs or, you know, grow things. I've mentioned this before. My, Franca's dad, my father-in-law, he doesn't just have a green thumb. He has like a green arm. Like he's, he's so uh, uh, capable and full of capacity in terms of what it means to grow stuff. He just knows how to do it. Now, he's not into beautiful things. Like he doesn't landscape his his property, and if you go to the ba- his backyard, there's different colored plastic buckets that have been cut and odd sticks found in people's backyards or old hockey sticks or whatever the case is. And so he, he doesn't garden for beauty, but uh, he gardens for growth. He, he loves to garden things that grow. In fact, there's a piece of his grass in the backyard that he trashes every year because he has a fig tree. And you've got you to gotta put a fig tree underground over the winter or it'll die. So he kills his grass because he doesn't care about beauty, but he cares about figs, so he puts it underground and then kind of starts from scratch uh, the next year. And, and it's amazing. So grass, he doesn't care. Figs, he cares about a lot. But he has, so he has this knack of growing things. He loves to see these things grow. And, he, and he, can, he knows how to multiply things and, and transplant things. And what he's become amazingly good at in this whole process, he's become incredibly good at pruning. He knows how to prune a fruit tree or a vine. That, that's really the, the beautiful art of a gardener. Like when a gardener knows how to prune a vine 
to see its fullest potential or prune a tree to see its fullest potential, you know that you're working with a serious gardener, able to discern wisely what's fruitful, what's not fruitful. Where's the energy going? Where is it not going? What's in the way? What's not in the way? How, where, where, does, where does this tree have to you know, get enough exposure to the sun or things like that? And what's necessary and not necessary? And it's amaz- it amazes me all the time how confidently he prunes stuff. He'll just go up to something and, I mean, he just looks at it and he'll just kind of know what to prune. And they, things grow. And, and it's, it's a beautiful art and wisdom in that because he knows what's bearing fruit and what, is, what isn't. And here's the beautiful job of a gardener, to channel the flow of energy. I mean, think about it, right? That, when, when you think about this main role of pruning, the role and the job, the responsibility is to channel as much energy as you can from the source to get to the branches, to get to the fruit. That, that's the idea. And when we think about God's role as a gardener and his investment into his people, his desire is to secure the, chan- the flow of energy to, for people to live fruitful lives. And so when you think about that, that's what Jesus is getting at as he introduces us to this other angle of what God, who God is and what he does. He's a gardener, and he invests in his people. And one of the things that this gardener does in verse 2, we read it, and the first half of verse 2 is, maybe seems striking. The second half still seems a little bit rigid, but it all has a purpose in verse 2. There's two options for this branch. And so this is what it says, right? He says, he, talking about the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. That's the goal. But here, here's the two options. Branches that are cut off, branches that are pruned. Now the word cut off is a little bit, probably in the original it feels a little bit more like lifted up or taken away. Um, and so any branch that's not bearing fruit is, is cut off, is taken away, is removed. In other words, the branch is dead. It's not connected. Either it's been broken, and now this is just a metaphor, it's a picture, and so don't have a, a literal connection to people uh, specifically in this way, but just the metaphor there is that it's either damaged, disconnected, maybe it's just faking it, it's just off by itself, and it wants to look good, but there's no connection. And so eventually the gardener says, this is, not, this is useless, it's not producing anything, nothing's happening here, we're going to remove it. And so the branch that's not connected to the vine then is cut off, because... The gardener knows there's no fruit. Nothing is coming from this, so it cannot be connected to the vine. In fact, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But those that are connected to me will bear fruit. So it's, it's a given that there will be some kind of fruit in a disciple's life. And in this metaphor, this cutting off is those who aren't connected to Jesus, those who aren't abiding in Christ. The idea even is more of a cleanup of disconnected branches. So when I fix my bushes and all the branches are on the floor, it's not that I'm going to go and cut them all off again. They're already removed now, and I'm just sweeping them away. I'm lifting them away. I'm taking them away. And I want us to understand that picture and not make the metaphor too literal because Jesus doesn't instill fear into his disciples. Because Jesus tells his disciples in the next verse, you're already clean because my word has been spoken to you and you embraced it. He doesn't say, be careful, I'm going to cut you off. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, the branches that aren't connected will be taken away. But he tells them, you're already clean. You're already connected. My purpose for you is to prune you, 
is so you will bear much fruit. We get this example back in chapter 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet and they say, well, why don't you just wash all of me? And Jesus has this conversation with them and it's a beautiful moment, but Jesus says to all of them in that moment in, chapter, in verse 10, he says, you're clean, but not every one of you. And then John describes that he's speaking about Judas who has disconnected himself from Jesus. Those who are clean, those are, have connected themselves to Christ. Now, I want us to just get this here. There's what Jesus is saying to his disciples when he says cut off. He's not saying, hey, if you don't bear fruit, I'm checking, eh? Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, you did 10, you did 6, you did 4, you did 1, you're gone. Like, he's not, that's not what Jesus is saying there. He's not instilling this, this fear in them. But he tells them, no, you're already connected to the, to the vine because something has happened in your life. You've embraced the message of my kingdom, and now you are growing. And then he moves to the next metaphor. He says, you're already clean, but be ready because you will be pruned. The word pruning and cleaning is the same word, actually, in the original. This sense of, of cleaning, pruning for a greater purpose. And then he says, at that second half of verse 2, he says, those that bear fruit will be pruned, so they will bear more fruit. Now, pruning sounds negative, right? I mean, it involves snippers. (laughs) It involves scissors. It involves something that cuts. But this is the beautiful thing. Pruning is reserved for branches that are connected to the vine, branches that are, are growing, branches that are fruitful. See, branches, when they grow, if you see them, they often grow other things off to the sides, but maybe they're not really growing fruit, so they get trimmed a little bit. And so what pruning does is it helps channel the energy to the fruit because other stuff gets in the way that robs the energy from the fruit. And so pruning, if we, if we apply this to a disciple of Jesus, if we apply this to a person, helps someone become what they were meant to be. That's what pruning does. It helps someone become their true self. When a plant or a fruit gets pruned, it's really to channel the energy so the fruit becomes exactly what the DNA of that fruit meant it to be. And when people get pruned, when we get pruned in our life in Jesus, the purpose is that we become our true selves. Not that we become something um, different or that it's, pruning is negative. The whole purpose is to become our true selves. And so to abide in Christ is to be connected to Jesus, the source. And then pruning ensures that the source, Jesus, his presence, gets to the fruit. So here's this line for this week that we've been trying to add a line every week. And this week we'll say it this way. Abiding, I think it's up there. It'll be up there in a second. Abiding and thriving grows through pruning. Abiding and thriving grows through pruning. And that's because God is invested in you and me. And he loves us so much that he prunes us for greater fruit. Now that's not, that's kind of like, we think a plant, big deal. A plant's not personal. A plant doesn't know what's going on. Well, I mean, some of you talk to plants and maybe you feel that it's personal. But, but I mean, generally, it's just a plant, right? But people, we resist. We have a difficult time with pruning We have a difficult time when someone comes along and holds us accountable or someone comes along and points something else that is maybe hurting our life or hurting our relationships or or pulling us away from who we're meant to be. And often people, people, just like plants, can't see or sometimes don't want to see the value in God pruning us. 
We can't sometimes see the greater picture, the fruit that God wants to see grow in us. So let me ask the question. I mean, what does God prune? If God is, is a gardener and he looks at our lives as branches connected to Jesus who's the vine and his desire is greater fruit, what kind of things would he prune in us? What kind of things would he come alongside us and say, this needs to be removed, this needs to be removed. I want to channel my, the energy, the source, the presence of Jesus in your life towards something greater. So here are three like, umbrella categories that, uh, that maybe you might think of. And, and I just put them all up there. But the first one, it maybe to ask the question, and just to simply walk through this, we're not going to elaborate on each of them really long. But here's one, maybe destructive. Is there destructive things in your life, in my life, that are hurting you or that are hurting other people through you? Maybe it's a destructive relationship. Maybe it's a destructive habit. And that habit is hurting you, or that habit is hurting other people in your life. Maybe, you know, and I'm sure, even in a community as ours, there, some people struggle with certain addictions, and those can become destructive because they bring you down, they pull you down, and they hurt not just your life, but the people around you. And so there's, there could be destructive things in you and in me that God wants to prune, that God wants to rid us of. Maybe it's something as, you know, you know, there was a story about financial peace, and it could be even someone's dependence on wealth. Money's not bad, but the scripture says the love of money is the root of evil, not money itself. Maybe de- over-dependence on wealth, something that could be good or neutral, can be destructive for us. So the, just the question as we're asking, God, what do, you, what do you want to prune in my life? Is there anything destructive that I'm involved in, that I'm connected to? Is there someone in my life now, if you had an argument with someone, don't just say, don't just go up to them today. I'm like, God's going to prune you away from me, you know? I mean, <laughs> okay, don't quote me on that. And, uh, but, but you know what I'm talking about. At times, there can be a relationship that can be destructive. So things that are destructive that are hurtful. The next umbrella category would be, and, and this doesn't seem as harmful, right? But things that are distracting. Things that distract us, that are detours from what God wants us to be, who God wants us to become. Detours from the potential that God has called us into. And some things that might be distracting for us might not be the destructive habit, but it might be just the temptation for things around us. The temptations that the world and culture brings us. And that will often, we, 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 you know, we want to move in this direction, but something distracts us. God's uh, presence and spirit, you know, he wants to flow in us and move in us, but something distracts us. Maybe it's even something really, really good, but it's just not the best for you, and that distracts you. Because you know where God is leading you, but something so cool comes around over here, and it's not bad. Like if if it was for my life, and I'd say, hey, this is an awesome opportunity, you might say, well, that's cool, Dave, consider it, pray about it, think about it chat with your wife about it. It might be an awesome opportunity, but it could distract you. I'm, I'm an opportunity junkie. I have a problem with that because I just, when I see opportunities, I always feel like I want to grab them. I want to do it. And I'll add more and more and try something else. And this could lead to this, or this could really bless the church, or this could be awesome for our family, or maybe this could help us in our finances or whatever, right? And so I'm just, I mean, if I could say yes to every opportunity... That might be me like the yes man character in that movie, you know? Um, but, 
good things aren't always best for us. You know, thinking even in the world of investing, right? Think of a guy like Warren Buffett. What is he? So, why is he so good at investing? Because he says no to so many opportunities. Like here's a guy who, who he in in his world, anyways, he knows where he wants to invest. He probably has hundreds of requests a day. Would you invest in my company? Would you invest in this stock? Would you invest here? And he just says no, because it's going to distract him from his priorities. When we think about our life in Christ, when we think about what God's doing in us, not every opportunity is the right one. And that could distract us. Here's the last umbrella category, and it's things that drain us. You know, they might not be destructive, they might not be distracting us in a major way, but they might be draining you from the energy source, right? What's, what's the main role of a gardener? Channel the energy so the fruit will grow. And there could be things in your life, in my life, in fact, I'm sure there are, and if, if we'd have time for a conversation, I'd probably list some for you that are going on in my life, and you might know some that are going on in your life. Things that rob you, and I, when I say energy, I don't just mean strength, and, but I'm talking about the life of Jesus that God wants to see flourish in us. So one of those things, maybe one of those things is time. What you do with your time that will rob you of energy. Sometimes even going back to the opportunities, it could be that as well, because an opportunity will rob you of energy from putting your energy somewhere else. Whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So, so um, you know, like any, I think many of you can relate to this, like my son and I, and uh, we like to watch Marvel's Agents of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Have you heard that, you know, that show? Pretty cool show, superhero show. But we also like to watch Flash, and then... You know, so there's two shows, and then some of you think, well, okay, what kind of shows, how many shows do we want to watch in a week? So, we, you know, you pick two or three, but then, you know, at the end of the season, they were advertising Agent Carter, another Marvel show, you know? And so my son's like, we're watching that for sure, Dad. And so then we're thinking like, okay, wait a second. So, we, I mean, we're watching this one and this one, and then maybe this one. And so are we going to add a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh and an eighth? And so what that does is, I mean, it's no big deal, right? Agent Carter, 60 Minutes. It's done, right? But when you say yes to that hour extra, you say no to something else. So when that's something that drains you of what, of what, could, what you could be doing, how you could be growing, how you could be channeling your energy. I'm not saying stop watching TV. I'm just saying that we have choices and we've got to ask that question. What can drain me of the time or energy or purpose. It's funny, this, this last week I was in a, uh, I'm in a Google Plus group and we talk um, a once a week or every two weeks with a couple of other church leaders and this week we just walked through some character questions and there was like at least 20 questions and like ones that you'd think, so the, so the exercise was this, hey, let's, let's look through these questions, pray about it and just share one or two things that you feel the Lord's convicting you about. And so, you know, people said some really good ones that sounded really profound and spiritual, like, am I praying? You know, am I praying? Am I seeking the Lord? Am I, have I, am, I, am I in conversation with people outside of the church? So, you know, just people in our culture that God wants to use me. And all these really wonderful questions. And the one that jumped out to me, I was hesitant to share because it didn't really feel significant or spiritual. But the question that jumped out to me was this, am I eating and sleeping properly? <laughs> I thought, am I going to share this? They're going to think I'm just like, wow, you're 
pretty shallow pastor, you know, like, like, don't you care about prayer or people or whatever? And, but that's, that's the one that jumped out to me. Like, am I eating and sleeping properly? I was like, God, you want me to wrestle with that, I guess. And it's true. And we can go back to Agent Carter, right? Like one extra hour means I'm not going to sleep or whatever, right? And that, that question comes is, what robs me of energy? What robs me of time that I'm fueling this relationship with the Lord that's going to bear fruit? Abiding and thriving grows through pruning. So how can we begin to discern that today? Here's one thought. I was at this conference uh, last year, and we were, we were focused on Westside is connected with this, um, this group of people that's just helping us think through discipleship in our church. And so th- we had this few days together, and we were thinking about discipleship. And one of the things they, they forced us to do in that session, forced us, asked us, it was great actually, I love doing it, is they, so, so we're looking at that, looking at like where we want to head, our values, what's God really calling us to. And then they said this, here's, here's this big sheet of paper, and they planted it on our desk, and they said, okay, here's what you're going to do. I want you to list a few things that you feel God calling you to start. So, and then they did this. They said, I want you to list a few things that you feel you should stop. Now, if you're a leader and you're psyched up about what could be, you have 10 things that you could start. You're just like, bang, bang, I want to do this, I want to do that. I think we should do this, we should add this, we should add that. And then you get to the stop list. You're like, man, I don't, well, I don't want to lose this. And I don't want to lose that. And it, it was really a, an amazing exercise because it forced us to think and forced me to think, wait a second, it's not just about adding stuff, it's about stopping stuff. And, and he, here's why I'm thinking about that. Fruitful people don't just start things. Fruitful people stop things. Fruitful people let go of things that are destructive, draining, distracting. Fruitful people just don't add more to their life or list all the things that they're doing. And sometimes I'm amazed when I read about fruitful people and I'm often interested not in just what they're doing but what they're not doing and how they're giving room in their life for, for the energy they need. And then I begin to realize there's as much value in what we do as what we choose not to do. And so that, that list, I think it's important if we just imagine that and think about that for our week, for our or just moving forward even in this series. In, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about practices. But just think about this. What's your stop? What's your stop list? Is, do you have a stop list? Like there's some things maybe you feel you want to do, but what's your stop list? What are the things that are destructive? What are the things that are draining? What are the things that are distracting? And to prayerfully think about that because it's very likely that that's exactly what God wants to prune in your life and what God wants to prune in my life. There's things that he wants to snip away because there's greater fruit. There's a life of thriving and fruitfulness. And so one thing I want us to think about as we come to a close in our gathering and to think about through this week is what is the Lord, how would the Lord have me fill out that list? Destructive things, distracting, draining. And then consider this part of this. Because it's not just stopping, it's, it's really surrendering, right? It's saying, Lord, I'm going to give you this. Lord, I'm going to let you prune me. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go of this. I think as much as it looks like a really cool opportunity, I'm going to let it go because I know that you're working in me. 
Lord, this stuff is distracting me. I can feel it. Lord, I need to surrender it to you. So it's not just putting it on a list. It's not just some practical exercise. It's really prayerfully saying, I'm going to surrender this to God. I'm going to surrender this to the Lord. Because he's likely already been getting your attention about it. He's likely already been giving you reminders. In fact, maybe some of your reminders have been super loud. Maybe you, you know. Maybe it's been screaming in your ear, screaming in your life already about this, these things that God is trying to prune in your life. In fact, if you're lucky, God will sabotage it. If you're lucky, because then you don't have to do it. If you're lucky, God will, will, will bring it to a close. How many times people are in a destructive relationship and they just, but then something happens and, and it just, just gets sabotaged and they walk away feeling so free. They didn't have the courage to do it, but something happened. If we're lucky at times, God will, will come in and forcefully prune. And you know why he does that? It's because he loves us so much. He loves you so much that he wants to prune things in your life and in my life. God is invested in your growth. He's invested in your fruitfulness, and he loves you deeply. I'm going to ask the team to come up because we want to close in a little bit of a reflective way just for a few minutes, but he loves you so much. One of the things I love um, at home in parenting is watching, is watching my wife take just a moment with our kids. Like, I, I struggle, I, I mean, I struggle with this, having the finesse of this. Like, so I, I, what I love watching my wife do is just there's sometimes there's a moment at supper or around the couches or in the living room and something we're talking about and she has this way of turning it around and helping the kids realize something like, hey, you should pay attention to this and, and think differently. Sometimes I just go at it like, hey, stop doing that, you know? And, and, so, she, and so, but I love, I just enjoy watching what she, what she does in this way of Helping them figure out, now it doesn't, it's not like magic, like it just changes the next day, but helping them figure out that this is destructive or distracting or draining. And when I see that, when I was thinking about that, it reminds me of what God wants to do in our life. In such, in a way, he wants to come alongside us and prune things, and prune things. And you know, here, this is it. This is how, sometimes we say, God, do you really love me? You're going to prune me? When you know God loves you when he prunes you because you know he's close to you. Only intimacy can prune, right? Like when my father-in-law prunes the grapevine, you cannot do that from a distance. You're intimately connected close, really close by. And so when God is pruning you, he's, he's demonstrating his love for you. He's so close. He's close enough to prune. He's close enough to speak. He's close enough for you to listen. And we need to embrace that. We need to acknowledge that, that his pruning is not bad. His pruning is love. He loves us. N.T. Wright says this, the vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term healthy health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. Did you th- hear that? The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. There's something so beautiful and intimate about this pruning process, and that comes out of God's love. We abide and thrive if we allow God to prune us. So as we close this morning, here's my question, and, and we're going to take just a few minutes to reflect on this. Will you trust God to prune you? Will you trust him? Will you trust him to let go of the things that are 
destructive or draining or distracting, things that are blocking you from really allowing yourself to be fully immersed in Jesus and growing fruit? Will you trust him? And this is hard. Will you trust him to strip parts away of you, of you or your life because he has a vision for greater fruit? Will you trust him for that? And so the band's going to sing this song and I want us to take this moment really prayerful um, and just ask, that, ask those questions. Maybe you just need this time to think about this. Maybe God in this moment is going to highlight something in one of those categories because he loves you so much. And so I want us to just pause and pay attention. If you need specific prayer, even as the band is, is singing this and you need specific prayer, I'd invite you even just to get up from your seat and come to one of these seats in the front and, and myself or someone else would be happy to pray with you even during this time. And so guys, why don't you just go for this and lead us through this moment and, and um, let's just press into the Lord for these next few moments. And I invite us to trust because it does take trust to trust that God loves us when he proves us to trust him and to trust him that his vision for you or me is greater than what I can conjure up let's take this time together part of our community for a little bit and trying to discern who Jesus is and how to begin following him and you're listening to a message like this today about being connected to him and being fruitful in him I just want to make sure you just you realize that this is for you but Jesus also invites you in that initial trust I mean he tells his disciples you're already clean because I spoke the word to you but I will continue to prune you and clean you and grow you. But if, you've, if, if you feel like you've just been getting to know Jesus, but you've been hearing his word, you've been hearing his message, you've been hearing this invitation to abide in him, but you've never just surrendered, then even in this moment, I invite you to trust in him. He calls you to trust in him. That fruit that he longs for you to bear will only come when you get connected to him when you abide in him when you put your trust in him and call him not only savior to save you and rescue you from sin but when you call him lord and say lord lead me and guide me so if that's you this morning then just invite you to in the simplest words just to invite him to lead you or to take his invitation for you to abide in him and say Jesus I want to abide in you I want to trust in you and there's no amount of sin there's no amount of guilt or wrong that would stop God from embracing you and you come to him in repentance and put your trust in him he longs for you to know him like that so even in this moment um, if that's you this morning I'd love to help you just pray through that and then we're going to pray collectively that's your heart maybe just pray these words with me Jesus I acknowledge you as the true vine I acknowledge you are the source of true life and I sense you calling me to put my trust in you 
to follow you, to abide in you, and to abide in your love. So I take this step in this initial response to this command, this invitation to abide in you, and I just say, yes, I trust you. And I long for you to lead my life. And I welcome God the Father to be the gardener of my life. I repent of a life away from you and embrace life with you. It's in your name that I pray.